I would invite you to take out your Bible, opening to the Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, that we might pray this morning with one accord, that as we gather together this morning with hearts united, united together in Christ, fellowshipping and communing together in Christ, we turn our hearts to uh, a wonderful prayer that's been given to us by God himself. And use it as a springboard for our own prayers for the honor and the glory of God. Daniel chapter 9. We're probably going to spend this week and next week on this text and using it as a springboard for prayer. Because a little context here, Daniel is now a high-ranking official uh, in the government. And Daniel has taken scripture, he's reading it. And as he's reading it, he comes upon a text in Jeremiah and he discovers God's promise that the Babylonian exile would only last for 70 years. And he's looking at the calendar and he's looking at the promise of God and he realizes because he knows God is faithful, this promise made through Jeremiah is about to happen. It's about to come true. This Babylonian exile will soon come to an end, and if God gives him the grace to stay around, it'll be on his watch. And so, with excitement, he turns to God in prayer. With fasting, with sackcloth, with ashes, we read in the text. And in this turning of his heart to God, he leaves behind for us A wonderful, wonderful prayer. And we're going to use this prayer this week and next week to continue to consider what are those constant biblical features of true biblical prayer. Let's look at the text together this morning. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. But to us, open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel. Those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. 
to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. And as it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. It's an amazing prayer that Daniel prays here. We'll stop there in the middle of it. An amazing prayer of turning his heart Godward to seek the face of God based upon who God is and based upon the promises of God. And if we, we kind of look into this prayer, just a couple of features of prayer that we see in this prayer, and we'll continue to build upon these next week. The first is this, something we continue to see. True prayer begins with apprehending the adoration of God. Ultimately, when Daniel turns his heart to God, he's in awe of God. He's in awe of the promises of God. He's in awe of God's mercy and God's grace, knowing that his people are in exile because of what they've done, because of their sin against him. God is not obligated to bring an end to that punishment. But he's in awe of a God who is both holy and righteous who will not stand for sin, but who is also simultaneously merciful and gracious and has promised an end to the suffering. And Daniel turns to the Lord in verse 4, and in his prayer, his prayer is, the Lord my God. Lord, I come to you. He, he, he's in adoration of this God who has granted him mercy and given him a, a relationship with the living God. When he turns to God, he turns to God not as just some static figure who's sovereign, who rules the calendar. He is that. But he turns to God personally. A.W. Tozer observes that, quote, to most people, God is nothing more than an inference. He's not a reality. He's a deduction from evidence which they consider adequate, but he remains personally unknown to the individual. What's Tozer saying by that? He's saying for a lot of even church-going people, God is just this figure. And there's really no real personal relationship that, that uh, the believer has with him. They'll gather together on a Sunday morning, cold and dull, and they'll, they'll respect the songs and they'll respect the God that's revealed in Scripture, but they don't feel the weight and gravity every single day. This is my God. And the greatest joy of the Christian life is to know this God. He's my God. Through Jesus Christ. But for Daniel, he turns to the Lord and prayer is, is, is a conversation with the living God. Is that true for us this morning? As we gather for prayer this morning. We don't want our prayers to be like we're in a, in a dungeon here and we're talking to some God who's out there. 
He's a God, that, if the book of Revelation has taught us anything, he's a God who walks in the midst of his churches, who's near to his children. We want to seek that God in prayer, adoring him for who he is, his holiness, his righteousness, but his mercy and grace. Just the beauty of the intimacy of this prayer. Secondly, true prayer continues in confession of sin. That's what the text we just read primarily was about. For the glory of God and all that God is about to do. Our obligation, O God, is to bring our sin before you, the God who will forgive us our sin. And Daniel's confession of sin in the text we just read is very specific. For many of us, our confession of sin today can be a very generalized thing. What I mean by that is... For many of us, our confession of sin of the day is, uh, and Lord, you know we all sin. And Lord, you know that in thought and in word and in deed this day I have sinned. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And then we move on. It's a very generalized prayer. It does not get specific about where did I sin against this God? What did I do? What were my thoughts? Specifically, this was an offense against you, O God. A generalized form of confession is no confession at all. It confesses nothing. But for Daniel, Daniel confesses specific sin to God. He confesses corporately. He's speaking on behalf of the people of God. Notice over and over the pronouns, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. And one of the specific sins that he he confesses on behalf of himself and corporately the people. Verse 5. And verse 7, 8, and 9, our disobedience. You've, you've clearly spoken to us, God. You've told us who you are. You've told us what life lived unto you looks like. And we have acknowledged it on one hand, but then we turn around and live however we want to live on the other one, in thought, in word, and in deed. He goes on in verse 6. He talks about our sin of disdain against your messengers. Verse 6, verse 10 and 11. God, in grace, you have given us messengers who have conveyed your truth to us. And yet we haven't appreciated those messengers. We didn't like their message. So some of them we had killed. God, we confess to you the message that they bring is from you. If if we have a problem with the message, our problem is with you. And Lord, we confess to you. We have not had the reverence for your word and for your message through those means of grace, you bring it, bring it to, uh, to us through. A third specific sin, verses 12 and 13, a flat-out denial of God's warnings. God, you have spoken to us. You have warned us about the God that you are, about what life lived unto you is like. And we've said, oh my goodness, yes, amen. And yet we turn around and we do the very things you've warned us against. You've told us that biblical Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than love for Jesus. That he is all. And yet we turn around and we, with hearts of idolatry, we drift away from him. And we shrug our shoulders. Yet over and over you warn us of the grave consequences of such a great sin. Daniel is confessing the sins of his own heart and of his people. And the point here is these are the prayers that God hears. 
Daniel is teaching us to pray, just like the psalmist did when we were going through the psalms. And there's nothing here that contradicts what we saw in the psalms. This is how the believer prays for ourselves, for our church. And I think it could be said that we don't actually pray unless we approach God in this way, for his glory, in worship of him, in confession of this is the God you are, and here's where I am, and here's where I've sinned. And there's an infinite gap, and I confess it. And I have no hope, except for one that you have sent, who is infinite and boundless enough to fill that gap. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, His person and His work. And so in Christ, I come to you, I confess, I repent, and I fix my gaze upon Jesus. And I pray for grace where I have sinned. Lord, help me to keep my eyes upon Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 4, to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. That we may become more like Him. Is that how we pray? Is this how we, we, we look our sin in the face and we look God in the face? And we worship Him and we confess our sin. And we cry out for Christ. Well, this morning as we gather together, we acknowledge we could fill our time of prayer with all kinds of prayers going all kinds of different ways. That's not why we're here. We're here for the glory of God. We're here to seek the face of God, which means worshiping Him in His holiness, in His mercy, in His grace, acknowledging who we are and where we have drifted from Him.